from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. Today is January 5th, 2024, a beautiful Friday. We're going to make it beautiful. Remember, that is our daily choice. We have a fantastic show for you today as we wrap up our first week back to work. First up, we have Peter Gerges, amazing, cool business in the WordPress support space. His company, Swift Press helps all of us WordPress people. So our website is built on WordPress. I encourage every entrepreneur to learn WordPress. It's so easy and so powerful, especially when companies like Peter's can help out. And so I'm excited to hear his story. After that, we have Roland Cyberlink with us, three-time founder, very impressive, and is now at the Mid-Stage Institute. He helps mid-stage businesses scale. So we will talk about scale and have an absolutely fascinating conversation. Uh, it's a great one. It adds up to a great show. And as always, we appreciate you being with us. We have just a bunch of good stuff coming up, great stuff coming up here in the month and in the year as we start another great school for startups radio year. I did want to comment on some of the macroeconomic stuff going on and how it's going to relate to us entrepreneurs right now. We see that inflation is coming down below 3%, I think. And so I forecast that the Federal Reserve will be lowering interest rates very quickly. They're going to try to do it before the election so that we can get the mortgage rate down and people will start buying homes again. I promise you the Biden administration will be pushing the Fed to get this done just as quickly as possible. And so that will be good for us entrepreneurs. Inflation down, good. Rates down, good. Uh, the economy, good. I don't think there's going to be a recession. We keep having positive quarters of growth. And remember, you have to have two quarters consecutively of negative growth. We haven't even had one quarter. The soft landing, I think, is going to actually be a pretty strong growth as we look back on it. Uh, 2023 is going to have a strong GDP growth number for the year. And so I think 24 will be even better. As I said, as the rates come down, that's going to be very stimulative to the economy and the administration is going to let that happen. Uh, on the other hand, something that I did see that's distressing is that $117 billion in real estate, commercial real estate, big tower loans are in threat to come due here this year. That's going to be a drag on the economy. And so it's going to be interesting. To, who owns that? The billionaires. So not going to be much sympathy there for those people. 
Anyway, we've got a great show coming up. We'll get started in just a second. And as always, thanks for being with us. For Startups Radio hopes you will reach out to us if you have any questions or comments or if you need help with your business at any stage, from concepts to exit. Jim accepts all connections on LinkedIn. He tweets from at Entrepreneur Jim and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. We are back and again, thank you so very much for being with us. Very excited to introduce my first guest on this wonderful Friday. Please welcome Peter Gerges to the show. He is a WordPress extraordinaire entrepreneur. His entrepreneurship is sort of based on all of us using WordPress. He is the founder of a company called Swift Press Support which is an unparalleled technical support vehicle for WordPress website owners like me. Prior to that, he was the founder of Grace Digital Solutions, also very, which was in the WordPress space. He's also really good at the SEO and the Google ads and the landing page and all the other stuff and is a multiple time winner of the Wells Fargo Leaders Club. Peter, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. I'm super excited to be here. So what percent of the world's sites are WordPress? Yeah, that's a great question to start off with. You know, it's in the staggering 40% of the world's websites are built on WordPress. And the last time I, I looked at that statistic, it was a little bit over uh, 800 million websites worldwide. And that's just uh, an amazing amount. And I think that, that that's a testimony to the great ecosystem that's been built on WordPress because it's kind of like, think about it, like kind of like the Apple store. Uh, if you had an iPhone or an Android device, you have these app stores that, you know, have so many developers that have been able to, to create, you know, different uh, apps for those app stores for your phone. And in the same way, so many people have, and so many businesses have started up to, to create, you know, new kind of uh, plugins and new kind of things that fit onto the we website. So basically it's kind of like a Swiss army knife. You can do anything that you want um, with, with your WordPress site. And I think that's why it's so popular today. What's the other 60%? Uh, the other 60% is made up of like sm smaller platforms. So there, there's going to be maybe some Joomla, uh, a platform called Joomla. There's going to be a platform called a Webflow. There's going to be um, some Drupal. Uh, so there's going to be a different small uh, amounts and there's going to be a lot of them Wix. Uh, but those are like small people, like, you know, they're going to have like maybe 3% market share, 5% market share, but nobody comes even close to having 40% like WordPress. Right. And let's make sure people understand exactly what it's for. So a relative beginner like me can go on WordPress and build a website more or less easily, right? I mean, that's, is that a fair way to describe it? I would say so. So WordPress is built up on with, with two different, uh, two different, uh, paths, if you will. So there's one path called WordPress.com. Uh, and that one is going to be the more easier one. The, the ones that are going to be for beginners where they can go and there's a, like a parent company of WordPress where you can sign up uh, and even, even for free or for a small, a relatively small amount, a few dollars per month. And you could build your own website 
um, you know, and get and get started right away. Uh, however, for business owners, that's not really the recommended way uh, because WordPress.com is going to be very limited because they make you, you know, uh, stay kind of like within like, you know, a certain confine, if you will. Uh, but however, WordPress.org is where you would be able to like sign up for a web host and then install WordPress and then you'd be able to get it customized. And that's kind of a little bit more what's recommended for business owners and for startups uh, because that's going to enable them to be able to do a lot more, especially when it comes to selling online, uh, e-commerce or doing uh, different things. If you're, even if you're selling products, selling services online, you're going to want to be uh, to, to go for that other version. And that's what other websites on whether business owners are doing right now. And so um, those are kind of the two options when it comes to WordPress. I heard a story and I don't know if it's true or not, but it doesn't really matter. It supports the point that I want to make that during the Obamacare launch, that only three states actually had websites ready the day that they were supposed to. And all three of those websites were WordPress and that that sort of demonstrates that the complex nature of what you can build with WordPress, it's sufficient, powerful enough to build Obamacare. <laughs> you want to comment Peter on that story? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Joe. It's, it's definitely no surprise um, that, that the three websites that were ready would be WordPress because part of the advantage of using the most popular platform in the world for website building is that it's going to be regularly updated and that it's also uh, open source, uh, which means that it's available for the community for free. Uh, unless, unless you want to build on it, that's when, you know, you start, you know, getting the expenses added on. So because of that, it's very secure and a lot of, you know, government websites are built on WordPress. Um, a lot of business websites are built on WordPress, but it's no surprise that, you know, the, that, um, you know, that the three states, the three states that had websites that were ready were built on WordPress. Yeah. Our website is all of our websites, multiple websites are, and it's the type thing that kind of like Microsoft word, there is a, what you see is what you get option and you can build like that. There's also a, a great way to add uh, posts for a blog or, or something like that. As a matter of fact, a huge portion of the WordPress sites started off as blog sites. And so I think it's, fundamental that everyone every entrepreneur know how to use it and know how to make small changes so that you don't have to call your tech guy to change the telephone number on your website or something like that you know there are certain easy stuff that i can do and i like that and then when i have harder things to do i hire a guy on upwork or now i go to peter so Peter, let's sort of segue and discuss more about Swift Pressure or Swift Press. Tell us about that, please. Uh, sure. Swift Press Support is uh, my business. Uh, it's my company where we offer uh, WordPress solutions for busy business owners. So, you know, as a business guy yourself, you know, you've had multiple businesses, Jim. So, you know what it's like being a business, a busy business owner. A lot of times, you know, you're, you're putting out fires, you know, wearing different hats in the business, especially depending on, you know, if you're, if you're a startup or you're a little bit further on along the way. Uh, so, you know, we take, we take that, you know, hat off of the business, busy business 
owners and we help them, you know, to build their site, especially that they don't know what, what is a good business website look like and what's kind of uh, how to put the, create the text and how to do the marketing and how to attract their ideal clients. So instead of them doing what, you know, whatever they think is right and they're being so busy, they don't even know how to do it. So we'll come in and we'll help them to, uh, to, to build a website for them. Or if they have one, uh, they might also need a redesign. So think of surplus support kind of like your house. You know, when you have a house and sometimes, you know, uh, people, different people in your house are using the bathroom. So the bathroom gets plugged up. So what do you do? You're going to need to call a plumber, right? So we're kind of also like the website plumber guys. If you need something fixed on your website, you can come to SurfPress support and we'll fix it for you if it's built on WordPress. And after a while, you know, when you live in your house, you know, sometimes you need a remodel. Maybe you want to do a kitchen remodel because, you know, your kitchen is outdated. So similarly, after a while of you having your website, it needs to be updated and get a remodel because, you know, once you build it, it doesn't mean that it's going to, you know, look the same way or it's going to be able to stay this have the same look all the entire time because there's website trends that keep on being changed it's kind of like fashion uh, and it's really important to stay up to date with with the fashion trends and to have a, a a website that looks modern and that's attractive to your ideal client and then finally when you're ready to, to sell you know if you're ready to sell maybe at your own house and do a garage sale you need to put up signs on the lampposts to tell people that, hey, you're having a sale and you can come over here and check out your merchandise. And the same way, when you're ready to sell online, that's what we can help out with you too. We can go out there and say, hey, you know what? X and Y uh, business or startup is having a sale and selling their stuff. This is how to find their stuff and this is why you should buy it. So in that way, that's how uh, my company, Swift Best Support, helps out uh, busy business owners with their websites. I love it. And is there any way we can talk about pricing, Peter? How does it work? So by the hour, how does it work? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, definitely we can talk about pricing. And I think this is uh, something that we offer that we, we're unique in because a lot of people that build, a lot of businesses that build websites um, on for, for other businesses, they won't really talk about, you know, um, how much they, they it's going to cost because they'll want to talk to you on the phone and they want to find out like, oh, how much is everything? And then after that, they'll try to sell you, you know, on something that's, you know, astronomical and it's going to be quite expensive so personally i don't i don't like that i don't like that strategy and uh i've always catered my business to the small business owner and that's who is basically going to be a good fit for our business and so because of that i want to do transparent pricing and so we're able to make our pricing even available on our website so even when you go on our website you're going to find the same pricing uh, if you go to surfbestsupport.com uh, and then basically uh, over there, when you click on web design services, you're going to be able to see our pricing, which is for a small three page website, um, you know, where, which typically a large agency might cost, typically a large agency would, would like for a three page website, they would, you would pay like $5,000 or something. Well, we're able to do it for a much smaller price and we're able to do it for one tenth of the cost uh, for, uh, for just $500. So for on five hundred uh, five hundred dollars, or I think it's five ninety nine to be exact, you can start you can start your business and get a, a three page website. Now that doesn't include your ability to sell online. If if you need a shopping cart functionality and you need to be able to to sell online, then you go to the next tier up, which is going to be uh, a five page website uh, to a ten page website, and that'll be around eleven ninety nine. 
And then finally, if you need something more than 10 pages and that's bigger and it also has shopping cart functionality, you're looking at about the uh, $2,000 mark or so. So that's what you're looking at in terms of pricing. Very, very, very fair and competitive, Peter. So uh, I love it. And I love that you're willing to share it. How honorable and realistic of <laughs> you. I hate businesses that don't tell you what it's going to cost. Kind of like the hospital, you know. You don't need to get an $11 bill or an $1,100 bill for the aspirin they just gave you. So I love that. And what about Peter, the ability to go in and say, I've already got a website built, but I want to add an index. Um, how does that work? Yeah, sure. If you just want to add an index, that's something that there's something uh, like that, you know, a, a one-time fix. Yeah, a one-time fix. Uh, uh, we also have the, our pricing on our website, but that's really, really going to be inexpensive. Um, so for something like that, it's going to be like maybe 50 bucks or something like that. Um, and then we also do like, if you just want a diagnostic from us and you just want to tell you, you want, there's something wrong with the website. And then we could tell you, give you a diagnostic for $29 for us to do the fix. If it's something small, it's like $49. And if it's something big and it's a complex issue, uh, then it's typically about $99, a one-time fix. You don't have to worry about, you know, recurring memberships or dues or anything recurring. It's a one-time thing. Here you go. It's fixed. Done. You can go on and continue with your life and everything will be hunky-dory. Wow. That is fantastic. I love it, Peter. Great job. Thanks, Jim. All right. I understand the business and what you're doing. Let's talk a little bit about the entrepreneurial history now. So how'd you get the idea for this business? What'd you do first? How'd you get the first customer? You know, did you require startup capital? It sounds like you could have bootstrapped this. Talk to us about the entrepreneurial history, please, Peter. Yeah, you, you got it, Jim. So, you know, in my history, I started off um, many years ago. Actually, I remember uh, it was in uh, 2009. Um, I, was, I was overlooking a beautiful lake and I was just about walking, walking around with my fiance at the time. And I was just about to propose. And I got to that part of the lake where, you know, I knew that, uh, this was going to be the spot where I was going to get down on one knee. And I did, I got down on one knee. I asked my fiance to marry me and, uh, lucky for me, she said, yes, unlucky for her. She said, yes. And, you know, uh, we've been married ever since. So af after I proposed to my wife, as we were walking uh, away from that lake, I looked to my wife and I said, honey, you know, I want to ask you, what is your dream for our life together? And she thought about it for a moment. And she said, you know, honey, what I would love to do is that I know that there's many women that like to go and have a career, but I just don't feel like that's for me. So if it's possible, I'd like to be able to, for our family to make enough money so that I can stay at home and just be a mom to my kids, if that's possible. And at that point, that's when it was, you know, uh, seated in me, if you will, that, hey, you know what, I need to make my my wife's dream come true and be able to, to be a good enough provider to provide for my, for my wife uh, to be able to, to keep her at home so she can stay at home and raise her kids. That was her dream. So, you know, I live in Los Angeles, so it's one of the most expensive places to, to live in, in the U.S. And, and so we got married and then after that we had our daughter and uh, with our daughter, everything was fine. But three years later in 2014, uh, my son, Andrew, he came and that's when the bills began to pile. I began to get into debt and, you know, my, my job just wasn't, um, you know, bringing enough income. 
So I was like, you know, hey, what am I going to do? How am I going to keep my wife at home and keep her dream alive? So I thought, you know what? I need to start a business and find a way to be able to make money online. And at the time, I was really good with time management and productivity. So what I ended up doing is I would wake up early in the morning to go and to learn how to build a website so I could be able to sell like time management hacks and productivity hacks and put those things in small little courses and sell them for like $19.99, a piece. So I ended up doing that. I ended up, you know, spending some money and creating my first website and then, you know, waking up early every single day. And I was hoping, Jim, just to make $3,000 extra per month to pay off my extra expenses that I couldn't make up for and to also save a little bit of money. And after I finished the website, after I did all the marketing and after I launched it, I was hoping just to make that $3,000. But instead, you know how much I made? I made a whopping $17.95. My first business was a huge failure. Oh my gosh. In month one. <laughs> In month one, yes. But I, okay, well, did we did you give up or keep going? I mean, well, keep going with the story, Peter. I'm fascinated. Keep going. Uh, all right, Jim. So see, see if this resonates with you. So then I was like, oh my gosh, this is an epic failure. I don't even know where to go from here. What am I going to do? And so I was looking at my social media feed and there's this business coach who you could hire and he could like help you and, you know, give you business coaching. And I was like, well, you know what? Let me hire this guy and let him have him tell me what's wrong with my business. Where did I mess up? So I hired him and he looked at my business and then we had a Zoom meeting and then he said, he said, Hey, you know what? I know what's wrong with your business. And I said, Hey, what happened? What's going on? And he said, well, your problem is that your pricing is too low. So when people are coming to your website, they're not believing that you're this guru that you say you are when you're selling your stuff for, you know, 1799 and 1999. So you got to go high end. You, I recommend that you become a high end business coach and that you, you know, coach CEOs about how to do uh, time management productivity and you charge them like five grand a pop ten thousand dollars a pop and i said yeah that's a great idea that's exactly the problem with my with my with my business so i went and i got into debt and i bought on my credit card a ten thousand dollar course teaching me how to sell coaching to high, to high end clients and i sat there for th- uh three months rebuilding the site building a brand new business and doing all this stuff hoping that i could be able to to sell at least just one you know one workshop or or one of those you know s- sessions to a ceo hey you know what that would make me good for like you know two or three months no problem so i went ahead and i did that part and i i worked super hard and then finally i launched it and guess what jim another goose egg oh my gosh i did not even sell not even one single uh, coaching session to any of those high-end clients and again it was a complete dud and now it was even worse because i was in debt an additional ten thousand dollars due to that um, workshop that i bought and things could i was just like at the lowest part at that point I keep on going. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like the movie just turned off with eight minutes to go. 
Kiss the girl and marry her. Uh, kill the bad guy. What's next, Peter? Uh, Jim, I love it. I love it. I'll make sure uh, that you still want to hear. Okay. So what happened was, is that at that point, I was at the lowest point because, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, am I going to need to ask my wife to go in and work? You know, this is like everything. This is her nightmare, not her dream for her to, for to leave her, her kids and her house to go have to go in there. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I felt so depressed. And even my, my wife at the time, I mean, I married an amazing woman. You know, she, she came alongside of me and she said, honey, you know, I know that you've had two failed businesses. I know you've had two false starts, but don't worry. I believe in you. I know you can make it and things will turn around for us. And, you know, lo, lo and behold, you know, at that time, one of my good friends, he owns uh, a marketing agency. Now, he doesn't know what's been going on with me or that I need to raise up all this money. And he, he owns this marketing agency that's wildly successful. I mean, he's got so much business, he doesn't even know what to do with it. So he contacted me out of the blue and he said, Peter, listen, I know that you're good with biz with websites. Would you be willing to be uh, my white label partner? And I said, white label partner, what is that? And he says, well, white label partnering is when another company does work for your company as if they're a part of your team or your staff, but you know, you don't have to pay them like an employee. You pay them kind of like a contractor. So you don't have to pay all the taxes and stuff. And also that enables you to be able to have more clients and other businesses. So I'm not just your only client. And I said, sure, I'd love to do that. And that's how my, my business started building websites for a marketing agency that hired me as their white label service partner. And that, then I started building more websites for him. And I began to get more clients as I began to expand my business. And that's how uh, my first business started, Gracional Solutions, and then Surf by Support, which caters to small business owners as well, um, you know, was the continuation. And that's how everything came to be. And how is Swift Press doing now? It's a brand new, I mean, it's like, what, four months old now, five months old or something like that. How is it doing? Yeah, it's doing phenomenal. There, there's a huge like demand in the market for what I'm doing. So Grace Little Solutions has been around since 2015. That's my parent company. And that's for people who want like a custom website. You know, they don't want like some uh, a cookie cutter website. They're going to need to have a custom solution. Uh, so that, that's going to be a little bit more high end. But however, I found that, you know, a lot of my customers were wanting something, you know, more affordable and that they don't need these custom things. It's just like, you know, uh, a simple website that, and they just need somebody to manage it for them. And that's why I built Swift by support because there was such a need for small business owners to be able to get, uh, you know, a good website that functions and where, you know, it removes the headache from the, the business owner from having to update it themselves and maintain it and do the work themselves. And so that's why uh, Shrift Plus Support has been going, has been doing really well. And also I'm not really starting from scratch. Just, it's kind of like the smaller brand of my Gracial Solutions business, which is building the, focusing on small business owners and building the websites um, for, for primarily that market. And how do you market Swift Press? Yeah, you know how I market SwiftPass by I for me what I found in website in the website business it's all about relationships. So uh, I've never been able to, and I I don't know anybody. Well, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, very many people who can be able to just have like some kind of Google ad and you just click on their ad and then they're like, hey, you know, come and build a get this website built for you for two thousand dollars and you don't know or like or trust that person, you're gonna be like, no, forget you. I don't know you. So. 
marketing is going to be always in terms of building relationships. So, you know, I like to, to, to go to conferences. Um, I'll, I'll talk to people. Uh, we get a lot of referral business from past clients, uh, you know, who want to do business with us again, or they want to refer their own business friends. Um, so word of mouth is a big thing for us. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, getting on these podcasts, you know, or getting on radio interviews uh, to, in front of business owners who are interested in, who have that, that problem, you know, of not having a website that is functioning correctly, that is getting them customers and that looks nice and that is working, um, then, you know, that's a great way also to, to get in front of my ideal clients. All right. That makes a lot of sense. And I know our listeners are interested and have WordPress sites. So, uh, I think a lot of our listeners will be clients. I think I'll be a client at those price points, you know, cause I go on Upwork and have someone work on it. It's going to cost a hundred bucks. I don't know who that person is. They've never seen the site before. And so, uh, you're a better deal than that. Peter makes a lot of sense. I love what you're doing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. And also in addition to that, when, when you're, you know, um, hiring somebody on Upwork, uh, you're basically hiring that person. They might not, uh, be fully, um, insured. So that, that's kind of one of the downfalls with, with, uh, Upwork is that you're kind of taking a risk, but you know, that's why you're getting a, a good deal. Uh, but however, with somebody like me or, you know, some other business owners is that we're going to have business insurance and we have a specific type of insurance for people who are in my kind of business called cyber insurance, which basically protects all of my clients' websites. So God forbid, should anything go wrong that, you know, they're protected by uh, up to a million dollar policy uh, for any loss of business or anything like that. So it's really important that whoever you're hiring, um, if you really care about your business and, you know, you just want to plan also for it, should things go awry, uh, that you can, you can have somebody that has, you know, is licensed as insured. And also uh, not that we've ever had to use that and God, you know, thank God we've never had to use our insurance policy for anything, but it's just a, a nice backup as well, just to give you kind of peace of mind. I love it. How do we find out more, follow you online, Peter, and get in touch to buy some services? Yeah, sure. Uh, the best thing to do is, be, is to go to my website. You can Google uh, Swift Press Support or you can go to swiftpresssupport.com. Uh, you'll see on the homepage uh, up there, you can see the navigation. You'll see some freebies. So if you need your website uh, to be faster, we can well, make it faster for you for free. We don't even do any sales pitches after that. We just make it your website faster for you. And should you have any needs for website uh, you know, services in the future, we hope we'll be your top of mind. So that's why we do things for free for people all the time. Uh, we also can, can create a, a free article for you. We can create a, a free homepage for you so that you can see what your website would look like if you want that, uh, if you want that as well. So uh, I, highly check out, I highly recommend that you check out the freebies page on there. And also, if you think you might want to sign up for a service, there's the services link up on navigation as well that you can check out to see all the different services that we provide. Great stuff. Peter, thank you so very much. Really appreciate it and hope you'll come back. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you so much for such a wonderful interview today. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Likewise. And we will be right back. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. 
Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. That's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back, and again, thank you so very much for being with us. Very excited to introduce another great guest. Please welcome Roland Seablink to the show. Very successful three-time unicorn builder as a tech entrepreneur. And now he is helping give back and helping other entrepreneurs go out there and learn to scale without giving up their skull or their soul. He has a company called <laughs> MidStage, and you can find it at midstage.org. They are 100% dedicated to helping your business grow faster. Roland, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Jim. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is such an honor. It is my pleasure. So tell us about the Midstage Institute. Yeah, so we founded Midstage Institute because we found that there are quite a few startups that reach a certain level of success, start building a team, and then really get stuck a little bit in this uh, tricky middle stage between being a true startup and becoming a bigger company. Uh, we often find that there are people who, you know, started the startup and wanted to retain the spirit of the startup. Uh, and then there's other executives or other leaders being brought in who said, well, at this big company X, we did things this way. And basically it turns into a huge fight that nobody tries, to, nobody has a way of solving. Whereas with our experience, we saw that actually there's a middle way, like a specific way of running a startup in the middle stage that can be summarized as, you know, add 20% of the effort to make it more robust while keeping 80% of the results and that entrepreneurial zeal alive. And that's really what I'm trying to do here. Keep those founders in place, allow them to grow, uh, allow them to learn, but also keep that spirit of that startup uh, as it becomes more robust. Roland, define mid-stage for me. So what number of employees, how old, what level of revenue? What are we talking about here in terms of how far down the path? Yeah, so different dimensions, of course, uh, as you mentioned. So uh, typically in terms of employees, we're talking about somewhere 20 to 25 employees until 250, right? So that's really from the moment you have to start building multiple levels of teams until it becomes robust enough to support hundreds of people. Revenues, typically we're talking about somewhere between 5 million ARR or uh, revenues or sometimes also funding raised from VCs uh, up till about 50 to 100 million. So for companies that have reached a certain degree of product market fit. So they have running sales, they have customers, but it's now a question of how do we focus even more and more robust, sometimes more efficient as well in, in using, using their costs. All right. Fascinating. And what problems are they having at that point? Where are they? Or is it a marketing, finance, operations, HR? Where's the issue? <laughs> Probably all of the above, but I would say the red thread is that they have become successful by being quite uh, into the weeds and being able to focus on the details of a lot of the work. That's how they got to this initial market success of like 10, 15, 20 employees. And now the very thing that made them successful is the thing they have to learn to give up. 
as you hire more people, it becomes important not to be looking over their shoulder all of the time, but basically to assign them full areas of responsibility, being able to delegate to those folks, uh, and then also taking a bit of a distance and see, you know, is this person actually performing or is this one of the person I should think about replacing at some point in time? And that's a very hard slog for successful people to deal with, to actually give up the very thing that made them successful just a few years before. Yes. Yes. And then how do you introduce, well, what do you do? Do you introduce new systems? What does the solution look like? Yeah. So uh, typically what we do is a combination of team facilitation and executive coaching. The facilitation is for the leadership team to come together every quarter doing the planning session. They have to do anyway, right? But we help facilitate that, make it very efficient and introduce a lot of learning in the process. So how do you get more disciplined about execution? How do you get more aligned about who are the right people in the company to keep working with and who are not? Uh, what is the focus that we all agree on should be our next focus for the next uh, months, right? So that's what happens in those planning sessions. Sessions. Then in between, we will typically talk to whether it's a CEO or maybe uh, also a co-founder on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, keep them accountable for their results, but also help them with a lot of the problems they may face from very strategic to very tactical and just building on, on our experience and our advice so that they have like a trusted advisor on their side. All right. Fascinating. And who hires you? Who brings you in? Is it the board? The board? boss the founder the cfo who brings you in great great uh, question jim uh so uh, almost always it works like this that there's like a second in command uh maybe a co-founder maybe a cfo maybe a chief of staff who kind of sees a need for some external facilitation and coaching, uh, brings us in to have some chats, but then it's invariably the founder CEO who has to sign the check and uh, commit to this program, of course. We have had some situations where the board tried to bring us in, and I will say right now that has never, ever worked for us. And I think it's this kind of trust uh, building issue that when the board brings in a coach or a consultant, it already feels like somebody's being put on probation uh, or the board doesn't quite trust them to do things by themselves. So that kind of brings us off on the wrong, uh, in, in the wrong system, in the wrong setting, let's say. Uh, much better for us to be introduced through uh, somebody who has a trusted ear of the CEO already. And sometimes it's also another CEO that brings us in and says, hey, could you help my friend as well? All right. How'd you get started with this? So talk a little bit about your startups prior to this and mm -hmm. the background that you had that would create you, you know, put you in the position to start this business. Yeah, so I've been very lucky in my career to have been part of three successive unicorns. Back in the 90s, it was one of the new telecom providers back in Belgium uh, that uh, I joined as employee number eight, and it was 1,200 within three years. Uh, and then in the 2000s, I had a similar story in Switzerland. Company was a little bit older, but it was one of those that had to be pulled back from an IPO journey right as the dot-com bubble burst. So that was a lot of like turnaround work. And then in the 2010s, I was part of Rocket Fuel here in Silicon Valley, which was uh, a 
absolute pioneer in applying artificial intelligence to uh, advertising placement. Uh, also, similar story, joining as uh, one of the first employees and then seeing it grow to 1,300 people in three years. So I've seen this story many times. Also, in every one of those situations, I kind of got myself into a role where I was advising or coaching the CEO, even if I was a lot younger, especially in the beginning. And I started to notice how the founder CEO is often a very, very lonely position and they need somebody that they can trust, that they can just, you know, play things by ear with, with certain people. And so uh, that experience really helped me to launch this as a, as a business on its own at, uh, in 2016, so almost 10 years now. All right. Fascinating. And well, well, good job. How do you know what unicorn to join? How do you know when you're interviewing? And so you're trying to sell yourself to the company to become employee number seven or eight or 10 or 12 or whatever. Mm -hmm. How do you know that that's the place to join that it's going to be 1300 employees in three years? How do you pick them so good, Roland? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the million dollar question, right? So uh, I think the truth is you never know for sure, right? But you feel a lot of like there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of growth, and you believe in the mission. You believe in that there's actually a key problem to be solved, a technology that they have to solve it, as well as, as, well as a willing market out there that can pay for it. And, you know, to your questions of what are the, the, the typical uh questions to resolve to start a business those are the three things i always look for is there a problem is there a technology and is there a market that's willing to pay for it so those help to narrow it down but can you never can you ever be sure absolutely not jim <laughs> and would you have left if you didn't think it was going to win the super bowl uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, not right away, right? So, you know, every company suffers many, many setbacks and, you know, you hear the successes, but let's say that's the 2% of the time, whereas 98% of the time, it just feels really hard and difficult. And uh, we have to know that as well. Uh, but if a company is not going anywhere after a year, one and a half years, and you just don't see any successes anymore, um, you know, you kind of feel that energy ebbing away anyway, right? And it's like... Um, People here in Silicon Valley say, like, startups don't just die. They just crawl away into a hole and you never hear from them anymore. That's exactly what happens. The, I think the energy typically runs out before the time and even before the cash. Interesting. I've seen that, and I think you're right. That is true. They just sort of crawl away. And then two or three years later, the entrepreneur shows up again with a whole new idea acting like that other thing never even happened. That's absolutely true. But I will say that's also in my mind, one of these strengths of Silicon Valley, that that's actually not only tolerated, but applauded, right? Where people say, yeah, I worked on that. You know, I was very passionate about it. It just didn't work, but now I've got a new thing. And many other places in the world, people would uh, frown at that and say, well, if you were a failure then, why would I believe in you now? But in Silicon Valley, that's applauded. And, you know, being able to step away from an entrepreneurial project is as important for an entrepreneur as being able to start one. Very well said. I used to live and work and do business in Japan. And mm -hmm. in Japan, you get one shot. Oh, yes. I just came back from Japan, Jim, just only yesterday. My husband's Japanese, so uh, I, do, I do know the country quite well. And you're right. That's very much about uh, fitting in, finding your one role. And uh, there's no reinvention in Japan, right? 
And it's unbelievable that the Japanese uh, VC investor, uh, what's his name? Is it Matsuyashi? Uh, Matsu Yoshi, Matsu Yoshi son. (laughs) I met him 25 years ago. So I was an absolute nobody, just a 25 year old (laughs) kid. And two days later, he remembered my name when he saw me. Wow. So impressive. Yeah. He's not, he's not the typical uh, Japanese business person. I think we can all agree. <laughs> but how does he survive after the, after the, we work debacle? I, I think we work, I read somewhere is the largest VC loss ever coming in mm-hmm. at $16 billion that he lost on one investment. What are your thoughts yep, on yep. that? Well, um, VC game is a portfolio game, right? So even if that's a huge loss, he has also made huge profits on some of his other investments. And in the end, it's all about being able to uh, persuade limited partners that you still have uh, what it takes to find the right investments and that it's worth keeping investing in your fund. And I think, um, you know, some of the sovereign wealth funds in Arabic countries still have a lot of trust placed in uh, in song and, and so i think that um, that keeps going well it'll be interesting to see what about in japan do you think he's still regarded as a superstar in japan that's a great question i think it uh, really depends who you ask um, if, if you were to talk to japanese entrepreneurs i would say absolutely but i would also say there's a lot of people in the more corporate sectors of japan or in governments that would almost frown at him and, and maybe even doubt if he's truly Japanese in that sense. <laughs> and what about Carlos Ghosn? Is he, does anyone like him in Japan? Does he have one single person, one single fan in all of Japan? Uh, not anymore. I don't think since he made his escape, right? So, uh, I think he probably burnt many bridges there. I saw a movie about that, and boy, was that fascinating. Uh, <laughs> it was. His escape Great escape they, story, right? cello box, I think. Exactly. In a cello box, that's right. Yes, out of, uh, was it Osaka Airport, I believe, right? Yes. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. <laughs> so, <laughs> See, if, if all our businesses fail, then we can still escape in the cello box. That's always an option. Yes. All right. <laughs> Roland. How do you build a successful consulting business like yours? How, you know, obviously you have super connections with the three successful startups and exits. Is that required? Can you do it without that level of background, without that pedigree? Um, To build a successful consulting business, I do think you have to have something unique you can offer, like a unique take or a unique experience, preferably both. Um, But ultimately, it's about uh, being able to talk to people, make them see that you have something in the area that they have problems with. And then what a lot of consultants are terrible at is learning to listen and learning to let the customer speak and not just move into pitching mode right away. I had um, specific cases where um, customers, prospective customers interviewed over 20 coaches, just didn't find anyone who they liked. And after they 
finally uh, met me because I had been <laughs> very late in replying to their initial email, unfortunately. Uh, but still, they were there and they, they chose me. Why? Because they said, you're the only one who actually asked us about our business and truly tried to understand us before you went into pitching mode. And it's amazing to me that so few consultants and, and coaches have figured that part out. Well, I thought that was the, the essence of selling is listening and understand the other team's problems first. Isn't that the essence that's of selling what I, coaching? That's what too? I would have thought. Absolutely. In coaching and consulting, even more than in anything else you would sell, I would guess. I think the underlying psychological driver is that many businesses uh, starting uh, early on, especially are quite desperate for clients and for cash and just are unable to hide that desperation in their search for customers. And I think that just comes through. People sense that right away. And so you basically undermine your own capacity for success by uh, not, um, you know, showing the patience to actually focus on your customer rather than on your own needs. At the mid-stage level, is money or bad marketing more likely to be the problem? So people often think it's money because they're so focused on raising funds. And of course, in this uh, more adverse market, it's even harder to raise those funds. But I would agree with you that the real problem is often uh, bad or ineffective marketing. Um, and uh, people often do not realize to what an extent companies have to invest in their go-to-market engine in uh, proactive marketing, reaching the customers that will not come to you automatically. That is a, a hard slog for people to get their head around, especially when they have more of a product engineering background where they really haven't been taught about that. And they think that if the product is good enough, it should just attract people by itself. Right. And so how do you attack that? Which one do you, what would you do? So what we often do is to help them identify first, like what's your most successful target customer right away. When we come in, they've often got a smattering of customers in different verticals, different psychographic segments. And we try to help them identify like what is kind of the, the target that where you shoot bullets, you almost always hit, right? Um, and let's focus on those. And then there's a lot of resistance around, well, but what about all these others? And I always say, well, opportunistically, you can sell to those if they come to you. But here it's about proactive outreach to people, uh, making sure they are convinced this is the right solution for their problem. Um, and that's where we start. And then once that segment becomes a success, then you can actually start uh, adding additional adjacent segments and grow that target markets over time. But I think it's just that switch from basically waiting until people discover your product and come in to more proactive outbound that people start realizing this is actually what makes a big company over time. What's the feeling, the sentiment right now in Silicon Valley? Here we are at the beginning of a brand new year. It's what, January 5th. Are, mm -hmm. are, is, are people excited? Are they seeing great opportunity uh we have silicon valley behind us now and uh or is everyone a little concerned about the election and where things are going to go and market upheaval where, what's the sentiment what are people feeling 
Yeah, I would say the market in general is really split between anything to do with AI and then anything to do with startups in general. So uh, with AI, the uh, excitement level is really high. We're in the middle of a boom there, right? So anything to do with AI gets very easy funding. Um, and we're almost waiting for that uh, to turn into a, a little bust before it becomes a full boom, you know, like there's always like this little step approach there. Most other startups, however, find it much harder to raise money. We do expect that in 2024, we'll start seeing the turnaround. We've seen some early IPO success again in 2023, which was uh, is a good harbinger of uh, good to come. Um, but I would say that uh, an election year, as you said, Jim, is always one that uh, provides a lot of uncertainty. This year, probably even more than in other years, given the, the vastly different propositions that the candidates bring. Um, and so people would uh, probably be hesitant to raise huge funds or to uh, put huge investments still in 2024. I don't think it's still the bottom year. I think that was last year, 2023. Uh, but we will uh, see cautious new investment this year. And then um, if somehow we get to a uh, satisfactory election result in however way you would define that at the end, then I think 2025 might be the year where we really start seeing the booms come up again. All right. Fascinating. It is going to be interesting to watch this election. And I, my prediction is we're not going to get either of them. It's not going to be Biden or Trump. What about that, Roland? <laughs> Isn't that what we all desire in a way, right? It's uh, very frustrating to see a rematch of these two old guys, each with their, um, you know, uh, different 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 qualities or lack of qualities and i think uh, the american political system could use a lot better but um here's where we are and where do we find you roland how do we get in touch to learn more <laughs> about mid-stage all of that please yeah, so we are at www.midstage.org, and I've made one page available that has all the resources for listeners to this uh, show to get in touch with us, to also download some of the key tools that we have. It's midstage.org slash thrive. Uh, so just go to midstage.org slash thrive, and you will find everything in order to get in contact with me, download tools, and investigate whether um, you know you are a proper midstage startup, and that is the kind of stuff that you need to learn to get to the next level. Fantastic. Roland, thank you so much, and I hope our listeners need to hire you. I hope that hiring you is I mean, that's a great problem to have. It means we're growing so fast we need help. Yeah, that's all. That's absolutely amazing. And even if they decide not to, we have a lot of the resources freely available for anyone starting to enter the mid stage. So feel free to use those. And then, you know, if uh, these found, uh, are found very helpful, then we can always talk about doing something more intensive. We are out of time, but you know what we do? That's right. We come back next Monday. Be safe, everyone. Have a great weekend and go make a million dollars. Bye now.